Claptrap, Episode 7, DJing, Mixing, and Production. Hello and welcome to this episode of Claptrap. This is Josh speaking. Today, Kyle and I get to talk to Miss Erica Billings about creating, recording, and mixing music. I'm really excited for this episode. I don't know about all you guys, but music helps me get through the day. Hey, Kyle, you there? I am here. All right, buddy. Okay, well, without further ado, welcome Erica. Hey, Erica. Hello. How you doing today? I'm doing good. Saturday, gonna have a good day, but yeah. Doing good. So, like I like I just told everyone, we're we're going to be talking about music here, mixing it up. Kyle, you want to kick us off? Yeah, Erica. So to get started, we normally have people kind of give us their background to kind of get into the podcast. So, what is your background in music and DJing and mixing and all that kind of good stuff? So, music. I played cello when I was fifth through eighth grade. I put it down in high school just because I was really focused on sports. I played volleyball. That's such a classic battle. I feel like it's it's sports or music. Like people fall in that all the time. Yeah, I know. And if I could go back, I would have just been like, man, I'll just I'll either do both or I wish I focused on music. But I mean, you know, here I am now. So I put it down when I graduated high school, probably few years ago a couple years ago I picked back up my cello and just you know I'll just mess around with it but it was always always loved the instrument and playing it what made you pick cello because that seems like a kind of a unique instrument because most people pick like clarinet or something yeah or like violin I don't know I remember going in in fifth grade and you know to like get assigned an instrument you would sit there and they do like a hearing test. I think I just enjoyed the lower sounds. I didn't really like the high pitch sounds with the violin, even though it's a beautiful instrument. But yeah, I think I just enjoyed the lower sounds and they actually wanted to put me on bass, double bass. But I mean, have you all ever seen like a double bass and how tall it is? Right, something something a little easier. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember my music teacher kind of joking with me, and she was like, well, you're really small, so maybe we'll do cello, because it's like right in the middle, you know? So that's how I got paired with cello. And So then how many years have, would you say that you've been actually playing the cello? I give it six or seven. That's longer than any musical instrument I've ever played, so that's awesome. Yeah, I've got about two weeks of experience on the recorder. Yeah, I think that's about what I got, too. <laughs> hey... The recorder is lit, though. Hot, Hot cross, cross buns. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. <sighs> That's funny. All right, well, I'm going to get into a little more, I don't know how to put this, like a little deeper meaning for you. I'm going to ask you, what do you think music means to you? And why did were you interested in music or why did you continue to pursue music after you started? I feel like a lot of people kind of quit. It's kind of therapeutic, say, when playing any instrument. I mean, even... You know, even us as kids playing the recorder, you know, you're focused on 
playing hot cross buns or but I've heard before it was actually a few months ago they said when you're playing any type of instrument I mean even DJing you know the board is an instrument mixing or creating on my laptop that's an instrument so I think it's really therapeutic and kind of meditating in a way I really started to pin on music though it was my freshman year of college because I had a really hard year really depressing state and I think that was the first time and it wasn't even more playing music it was more just listening more to different music and listening you know when you're when you're sad you listen to more of the lyrics yeah, definitely. No, I, it's so interesting how music has that power to like heal and like get you through tough things. Kind of like I, I mentioned, you know, music, I use music to help me get through the day sometimes. And, you know, whether that's a good day or bad day or, you know, whatever you're feeling, it just there's so much music to help you there. I think it's solely based on emotion. I mean, no matter how you're feeling, you can always turn on a song and I don't know, it makes you feel better. Makes me feel better. Well, you mentioned there that you you actually create and and mix it some too. So besides the listening aspect, you actually create and record your own music too? Yes. I haven't gotten in yet. I'm trying to buy a microphone currently. So I haven't gotten into... I would love to start recording my own cello notes into it. Because, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I use Ableton. Ableton has some really cool samples on cello or on different strings, but I think just playing your own instrument and even coming up with different notes. Is that like a software that like has pre-programmed sounds or songs in it? I'm not, not exactly familiar with Ableton. Yeah, and it's got a bunch of different samples on it. So people who have, I don't know, way back when previously recorded into it, those are their samples. So this plays into when you're uh, doing like a DJ mixing, you can take samples from different people and then you can create a new song. Yeah, this is more on like the the producing side. But eventually, I mean, yeah, if you made your own track, obviously you can play it out while you're DJing. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. I think you're getting into kind of two subject there, which, you know, some people listening might not realize. So when you're DJing, I think one aspect is the music side, but then there's also the production side. Is that, is that what I'm understanding? Yeah. 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 So what's the biggest difference between the two? Well, DJing, it's more, I don't know. It's more like if I were to take, you know, two different songs, matching the BPM, mixing those together versus mixing on your laptop. I mean, I, when I say I mix on my laptop, I guess that's the wrong term to say. I create on my laptop or through Ableton. Let's let's see if I can gather this right. DJing is more like you're you're putting together similar songs that you know either sound together, you know, sound good together either through the note that you're in or the key that you're in or the the BPM beat, beats per minute that you're in, and maybe production is a little bit more of kind of putting that all together to to showcase it whether it's visuals sound and just putting that in the right moment i guess yeah that'd be a that'd be a better way to say it but yes so do you have anything planned out when you dj like do you already have two songs in mind that would flow into each other or is it kind of more of a spur of the moment oh i think these are going to work together so you flow from one right into the other 
I think it's both. Sometimes, I mean, when I'm practicing, sometimes I like to just kind of surprise myself. And I'm just, I'm like, you know, let's just see like what these two songs could sound like. But I think it's good, you know, if you were going to DJ in front of a crowd, I mean, to have like a set list for sure to be kind of prepared with that. Do you think that takes a like a musical kind of year? I feel like, I don't know, I don't have a musical background and just throwing a song just on the spot. I don't know. I feel like I'd, I kill the mood. Like I'm sure having a musical ear or knowing a little bit about notes and understanding that can, can help you along the way. Is that your experience? Yeah, I think it's definitely having an ear for it. I don't think you necessarily have to have a musical background to DJ. I think it just takes, like I said, it's a musical instrument. So with any instrument, it just takes practice and devotion to kind of master that skill but I do think you have to have an ear for sure so when you say ear what what do you think that means is that like notes or what are we talking here octaves I guess notes I mean I think I have an ear I think it also depends on reading the room I think that's really the most important thing you know if you're about to go DJ in front of some people like I started on a party bus which is random. Oh gosh, we're going to have to talk about that. I know. So I started DJing on a party bus and, you know, I would have like a set list in mind and I would have songs lined up. But I mean, until they really got on there and I started playing a few songs, that's when I really got a feel of. I think some wedding DJs could take your advice about listening to the room because I feel like half the weddings I go to, they'll be getting the, the mood going. And it's kind of more fast paced and everything. And then all of a sudden they just want to throw in like the slow dance song and everything just comes crashing down. And everybody just goes and takes us to eat. I hate that. Hate it. Same. I know. I hate, I hate when that happens. It's like, it's like you're doing the cha-cha slide and then the Cupid shovel. And then all of a sudden it's like slow songs. Like, wait, I was getting, I was getting hype. <laughs> Dude, the, the party bus, Kyle, reminds me of like, if you remember back in the day, we used to take the Rue bus at our, at our college. We had this bus that would, take drunk kids around erica and they always had like club music going i feel like because they're they knew we were gonna go get drunk but <laughs> i feel like that's the same thing was there like a theme to this bus that you that you played for or was it just like a random private bus that they would rent out no it was a super random super random thing like i did a few because i did it i started around this time last year so I did like a few office Christmas parties. I did like a little kid's birthday, which we didn't move in the bus. Like we had to stay parked in the front. And, you know, obviously like I had to make sure everything was clean. I feel like that is a task on its own. Yeah, I had some people, I think somebody in their family passed away, unfortunately, but I think they were having like a celebration of life. And that was my first one. And they just wanted to... Oh, that was your first one? Oh my gosh. That was my first one. <laughs> I feel like that'd be so hard to read the room. It's like, okay, this is like a celebration of life, but like... I mean, honestly, my first one, and I don't know if it was also just because it was my first one and I was super excited, but super nervous. That was the most fun I had. And then I did like a 90s party too one time. So, I mean, it's like, it was super random. It was super all over the place, but it made me dealing with not dealing with, but experiencing with so many different crowds of people. 
made me kind of realize more going back to reading the room and experiencing more music too, like kind of basing it off of that. Do you think that makes you more well-rounded getting to experience multiple different types of genres and playing to multiple different types of crowds instead of maybe just focusing solely on maybe like a dance electronica kind of crowd or a solely rock music kind of people? Yeah, I'm thankful that I got to experience that because I think for myself it did, especially, I mean, that was the first time, you know, it was super random coming my way too. Like this woman just came in and to our workplace actually. And she's just like, my cousin has a DJ or has a party bus. He needs a DJ, you know, and she knew me, but she didn't know me super well. So for her to like even offer that to me or think of me, I was like, wow, like, okay, like maybe the universe or God is saying something, you know, this time last year, I was just kind of like, you know, I didn't really have not that I didn't have anything going for me, but I didn't really know what I was going to do. So I was like, well, what do I have to lose? Nothing really. So so then out of all the <clears throat> the different genres and types that you've been playing, is there a particular genre that you like mixing the most or something that, you, that you're better at, you think? I love EDM. Josh, you know that. Oh, right, right. But what, what's, what's EDM to you? So a lot of people are like, oh, cool, like, uns, 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 uns. I, I wouldn't say it's that anymore, but there's also different types. I mean, there's trap, there's house, dance. I guess with EDM, I like, I love the bass. I'm a big bass girl. I can't believe I just said it like that. But I do, I mean, that, that heavy bass that you hear. It's all about that bass. It is. Yeah. Right. So I think that's what attracted me more to EDM and you know, the community for EDM too. It's, it's a beautiful thing. What's Scooter considered? Oh gosh. I, I guarantee she doesn't know what Scooter is. Scooter's like a European, like OG EDM. If you ever get a chance, you should look him up. Kind of crazy, but. Scooter. That's a cool name. He is definitely EDM, Kyle. I don't know what subgenre I would consider him. I'll have to look him up. Do you have a DJ name? Yeah, but I have not put it out there yet, but I think it is going to be Sunny, S-U-N-N-E-E. I actually made that up with quarantine. Quarantine, I feel like, is the best time to practice all this. Have you got a, <clears throat> a good chance in quarantine to, to do that, like you said? You like made your name and everything. Have you worked on any music? Yeah, I have. You know, I actually, I graduate today, technically. Well, congratulations. Thank you. My advisor, Sam, which he's based in L.A., so we Zoom probably like once a week. I mean, I'm always working on something. It's kind of like writing, though. I write a lot also. So it's like I could start something and then I go back to it like the next day after working on it. And I'm like, uh, like you change like so many different things. It's like a constant I feel like all musicians have this thing where they have to have like the perfect, the perfect song before they release it. Is that, that's a thing, isn't it? Oh yeah. And, and that's the thing. I've never been much of like a perfectionist. I don't like to fail, but getting older, I mean, that's, you know, that's human, right? But definitely this past six months, I have learned with music at least and releasing something I'm a huge perfectionist and I will listen to it 
a hundred times over before showing somebody even even showing like some of my best friends does your major tie into your work as a dj at all it doesn't but i will say it's still helped me with djing because sam my advisor he you know produces and he's worked with several djs so he's actually like given me some tips along the way and like going through like you know having a long intro a long outro you know time to mix it for other djs and i mean in some of the content it talks about djing it just doesn't go fully in depth like this is djing this is how you dj and like all of that it's just more on the producing side so what is your major it was audio production okay so i could definitely see where that would tie in Yeah, but it's been great. I mean, with anything in life, you think you're not learning, but then you look back and you're like, oh my God, okay, yeah, I've definitely learned something. Because the other day I was messing around, I played the first track I ever just messed around with and made, and I was like, oh my God, this sounds terrible. Like, I will never let anybody hear it, because it's that bad. But then I look at now, and what I'm working with now, and I'm like, okay, I've definitely made progress. I feel like even with this podcast, we had something similar where we felt like we needed to have like a perfect product before we actually released it. And we were kind of paralyzed by trying to make it perfect instead of just get the ball rolling and get out there and and get something going. And then we'll just learn on the way kind of thing. Right. Well, and sometimes that's that's what it takes, too, with certain things. I mean, you just you kind of just have to throw yourself out there and just do it. And then once you do it it works out in the end, right? Well, hopefully, hopefully so, or else you find a new hobby to do, right? (laughs) (laughs) I was never good at music. I tried. So I was like, nope, I'll focus my, my efforts on something I'm better at. And that's okay too, I think. Yeah. Well, I think life in general too. I mean, it's all about, you know, if you're not trying to do new things or you're not experiencing new things or you're not kind of coming out of your comfort zone, think that's just a part of living and being human i think it's just a part of i don't know just getting out of that comfort zone and just doing new things at least you can say hey i gave it a go experienced it and that's all you can really do what a great metaphor for music i feel like trying different music is like a very similar metaphor for what you just said it's like you can try all these different things and experience these different cultures and all you can do is keep living and keep trying stuff and find out find out what you like Yeah, I'm a big believer in that. You know, I could be on this podcast and saying all this. I mean, I have goals and this is something I will work on. I think I could see myself doing for the rest of my life. But obviously it's life and you never know what's going to come at you. So what are your immediate goals with this? Like, where do you see yourself taking all of this? By this time next year, I hope to work with a handful of artists and have my own personal studio, which it's coming along, but it's got a long ways to go. I have a long ways to go. DJing, I will say I've got two weddings next year. So that's kind of kept me going like motivation in a way, because especially being stuck, you know, in quarantine with 2020, like there's no shows, there's nothing really going on. It kind of, you know, it kind of gets. It's been tough on the music scene for sure. Like virtual concerts, aren't the same as live like it's it's nice but it's just not the same 
Yeah. Well, and it's, it's kind of hard to see sometimes because we are in uncertain times, like, well, will I be able to really play a show one day, you know, or go to shows in general, even though, I mean, I think it's kind of coming back slowly, thankfully. I think it will. Yeah, I, I do too. I mean, I have faith that it will. It's just, I guess this year, it's just been so up and down. You're just like, oh, like what is life sometimes? Maybe you guys, since you're both down in Nashville right now, do you think maybe you could talk about kind of what's happened to the music scene? Because Nashville is known as the kind of the music capital of at least the country, if not the world. So what has it really been like going through this pandemic when kind of that is Nashville's thing? Well, I'll I'll kick it off here, Eric, if you don't mind. <laughs> so I, I'm not from Nashville. I think everyone who listened to this probably knows. I'm an import. Music brought me down here. I I love the music scene. I love going to concerts and experiencing it. I think it's some of the most you know interesting people you can meet, talk to, and experiences that you can have. <laughs> on the on the flip side, I'm currently moving or leaving Nashville now, and going and going back to Ohio because 2020 you know kind of killed the concert scene here for me anyway. And so, it, I don't know, it's just like anywhere else, I guess, without without music to me. Are you saying COVID killed the musical star? Uh, I mean, Erica, what do you think? I don't want to say killed it, but like, yeah, yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's definitely a struggle right now. You know, and just with the whole like big groups, you know, you can't get together. I mean, think about all the festivals like Bonnaroo is a huge festival. Right. You, you attract 40 50,000 people do a weekend to listen to music, whether it's rock and roll or pop music or EDM. and Yeah, all genres, I guess. But even looking at downtown, my mentor who I work with downtown, there are some people, I mean, there's been some people that have had to like go back home because there's no, there's no shows so they don't get paid. I did hear last night, Josh, you know, Marathon Music Works. Yeah, it's a pretty popular venue here in Nashville. Yeah, so last night, this guy that I was talking to, he said he was going to a show there last night. And I was like, what? I was like, they're having shows now? He was like, I think this is the first one. You know, Music Marathon or Marathon Music, whatever. It's a smaller venue, but it's big enough. Like, I don't know, it's how many people could fit in there. Like, I mean, like socially distance, what they're going to try and do. I bet you could still fit 75 people in there. I bet you. But I'm saying like before quarantine. Yeah, jam-packed. You're like, what, a couple hundred probably? Yeah. And it's one of those you can just kind of stand up and go. But he said last night, like, there had to be three seating here, two sitting here. So that's different. But it made me happy just the fact that they're allowing people to just even just sit there and listen to live music. Yeah, it's back. Yeah, hopefully. So it's been tough, but do I think we can eventually get back to it? Yes. What's the biggest crowd you personally have ever played for? Honestly, it, that party buzz. The wedding next year, I guess, will be my first live big crowd, which is scary but exciting. What, about 200, 300 people? On the party bus, there was probably, I think the biggest party we had. I mean, it was a double decker, so I'm trying to think. It might have been, it was probably a little less than 100. That is a party bus. 
Yeah, it was it was cool, and it was actually based in Mount Juliet, which is like forty minutes from Nashville. It's kind of more in the country. I feel like that's such a Nashville staple. Like, there's so many party buses. I don't know if anyone's never been to Nashville. Obviously, Kyle mentioned about us being Music City, but one of the big things of Music City is definitely the tourist party buses where you see the different country ones, you see, you know, you see your club ones, but that's pretty cool. So if I wanted to become a DJ, what kind of equipment would you recommend me getting? Because I'm guessing I need like some kind of mix table and speakers and then you talked about the software and all that. Can you kind of go into a little bit of that? Right now, I've been using Serato DJ. It's just a software. I mean, you would need a board. So I use CDJs, which is some DJs use a vinyl. Like I know uh, Steve Aoki, when he first started, he used just straight vinyls, which was super cool to hear. Because, you know, Steve Aoki's like a huge time DJ now. He's one of the more popular guys. Yeah. Yeah. He's a cool dude. But yeah, you would definitely need a board. I mean, having the speakers now, it was different because at first when I started kind of practicing, I just had, I went out and bought my MacBook because that's also when, before I started my school, I knew I wanted to get a MacBook, download Ableton and learn how to produce because it was so much fun playing in front of a crowd. I was like, man, like it'd be really cool to like make my own music and put it out there. So that's kind of what interests me. I'm not saying you have to have a Mac though, but when I first started practicing, I had my MacBook and thank God for Josh because he sold me the the board. Thank you, Josh. I would just sit in my bed and plug in my headphones and just practice that way. But having the speakers and actually listening, listening to what you're putting out through the speakers has definitely helped me more get you an experience of what the crowd's going to feel. Cause I, I experienced the same thing. I, I DJed a, a little bit, not, not as near as much as Erica has. And you, things can sound so good in your headphones. You're like, Oh yeah, this is sick. And then you play it like on a loud, on a loudspeaker and you're like, Ooh, like that, that changed. And if you're not like an audio technical guy or, or gal, then it's like, okay, well, what do I need to do to, to make it sound good for my listeners because that's that's the end, end goal right right yeah because i mean it's one thing in your headphones and like you said you're like yeah like this sounds great and then you play it out and you're like oh god i don't know i will say a couple months ago alice in wonderland which she's another dj she put some youtube videos up just tips on djing and like how to dj kind of breaking it more down and i'm still learning i mean josh says i've I've DJed a lot, which I, I did have the party bus, but other than that, I mean, I'm still very new to it, but she put this analogy, you know, the two decks, it's like an Xbox kind of, right? Did y'all, do y'all ever play Xbox? We have some experience. Okay. So she put this cool analogy and the two decks, you know, which is like the turntables, those are the controllers. And then the middle where you have your mixer, that is the console. And then the speakers are the TV. That makes a lot of sense to me. That's really cool way to put it. I don't know. It just stuck with me for some reason. I was like, that's... I definitely understand when you said that something in your headphones sounds completely different when you actually play it back on speakers because I feel like I run into that with this podcast because 
when I listen to my voice in my head, I'm like, oh yeah, I definitely sound like Morgan Freeman. And then I play it back. I'm like, I sound more like SpongeBob. So (laughs) I don't think you sound like SpongeBob, (laughs) but I understand because usually, I mean, if there's ever a video of me, I always hate my voice. I'm like, oh God. And that's where sometimes even on, on the party bus, I wouldn't talk a lot. Because I was just, I don't know. I'm also, growing up, I was very shy. I didn't really like to talk in front of people. So I was like, I was like, oh, well, I'll just play music. Like, I won't really have to talk a lot. And then I I would have to, you know, you got to interact with the crowd. So it's definitely brought me out of my comfort zone. I'll say that and helped me grow more. Even though it sounds silly, like just talking in a microphone to people. But, you know, when you get that anxiety, you're like, oh, like I kind of have anxiety about it. And I'm like, oh, God, here I go. I still kind of hate it to this day, but it's a part of just interacting with the people too and half the time you know they just want to have a good time that's what I always have to remind myself I'm like they're just here to have a good time they're not even worried about what my voice sounds like are there any strategies you take in order to get the crowd pumped up so say you're at like an event and then the the MC or whoever will come out and be like are you ready and then the crowd will be like Ugh, and then he'll keep going to get a louder and a louder response and I feel like that is the lamest thing ever yeah like <laughs> Yeah, I'm replaying it in my head. Like, are you ready? I mean, no and yes. I would just always kick it off with like a pretty banging song. I don't know. And they they would put requests in on the... I'm going back to the party bus. They would put requests in. And I remember they would only get three song choices to request. But that kind of helped me sort out my music and my set list because even just off those three songs, I could go make a playlist in like 10, 20 minutes off of those three songs. Do you have any like go-to bangers that you're like, I know this is a guaranteed to get the crowd going. I mean, it just depends. Like, I mean, everybody always loved the Cupid shuffle, which I know is like such a, why is that a thing in American culture? I've never been able to figure it out. I don't know. They love it though. I don't know, but I feel like it's one of those songs you play it, you play it, even if you just went out in your street and and played it, I feel like somebody would come out and just start dancing to it. So I work for a German company and every once in a while, some of the guys I work with will have to go over to Germany and everyone that comes back, they say, uh, what's that? The song about West Virginia. It's a country song, Country Road. They say that song is ubiquitous across Europe. Everybody loves that song. If they hear it, people will stop what they're doing and they will sing country roads. So every region has their own thing. And I think that's just like you said, Carl, like every region kind of has their own thing. I think it just depends. But I'm trying to think. I work in a bar right now, too. And, you know, the bartenders in charge of the, the Spotify. So I always, if anything, I feel like sometimes my manager can kind of get irritated with me because I'm constantly just like cueing different songs. Cause that's, I don't know. I, I love being in control of it. And I mean, it's fun just even in there, for example, just kind of seeing how they'll all react, which I mean, they like a bunch of like Tom Petty and what's that song uh, by earth, wind and fire September that do you remember that song? That's always a good one. Yeah. I think that's it. Yeah right that's a generational one so that definitely i think that based on your age 
I think you're more inclined to different types of music. Yeah. Dancing Queen is always a good one. So what are your, some of your favorite songs? Some of mine right now? Yeah, what are some of your favorite songs right now? Oh, that's so tough. One that I have on replay right now, I just found it last week from my friend Britton. It's called Hold On by Gom, G-A-W-M. I listen to this band Paris a lot, P-V-R-I-S, and I always go to their album to play. It's There's one called Thank You. Listen to like Charles the First. I actually really like, there's this new song by All Time Low and Black Bear. It's called Monsters. That's been a really repeat one. So that's what I'm saying. My genre of music that I listen to, I guess it's kind of everywhere. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about music. There's there's so much out there that's like, some people can be like, oh, I've never heard that before. And then you tell them about your favorite song and you're like, wow, this actually sounds really awesome and I have never would have found them. Yeah. When I'm one of those friends too, like if me and my friend are in the car and they play something, I've never heard it. I'll go on my phone and like instantly Shazam it because I'm like, what is this song? So that way later on, you don't you don't go back and you're like, what was that song with like the melody that was like, and I know because one of the worst, the worst is like when you when you forget it, you're like, dang, like, oh, it's that's the worst. And then it's the worst because you're yeah, you can't impersonate well enough. And they're just kind of looking at you like, what? And I'm like, ah. Never mind. Like, maybe it'll come to me someday. <laughs> maybe I'll hear it again one day. You got like one lyric and like the beat to it, and like you can't impersonate it well enough. Do you have any advice for people that want to pick up DJing on what to do or how to get started? I would just say if it's something you really want to do, and if you've never done it before, you kind of just have to take that leap of faith and believe in yourself and. I'm a full believer, like, you can do anything you set your mind to. So if it's something you want to learn, if it's something you want to do, you can do it. Just like I said, it takes practice, devotion, and you just kind of have to believe in yourself. I don't think there's any other way to really approach it, and that goes for anything, you know, you're thinking you kind of want to try. Like, Josh, you could even pick back up guitar if you wanted to. Uh, I think that ship sailed. I'm just saying, but... Yeah, I think it's just one of those things. If you really want to do it, do it. Do you have any social media plugs or anything that you want to put out there for people to follow you on? Yeah, so I have a SoundCloud. I'm releasing my first track at the end of December. It's called Sunny Music, S-U-N-N-E-E. And that my Instagram is Erica Billings underscore. And it's Erica with a C. You have to send us over that that SoundCloud information. We'll we'll plug you in on our on our page. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I definitely am looking forward to that. I will check that out at the end of December. So, with that, I guess uh, we thank you, Erica, for coming on the podcast. It was a pleasure. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. It's been it's been fun. This is my first podcast experience, so it was awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you guys. All right, now let's flip over to the part of the podcast where we talk about if we'll pick up the hobby that we just discussed. So, Josh, you have a little bit of experience with this DJing stuff, so why don't you tell us how likely you are to pick it back up? 
Well, we finally got into a hobby that I feel like I have a little more experience than you in for once. I feel like everything else we've talked about so far, you've you've got me on. This one, though, like you said, I, I have DJed in the past. <laughs> Very amateur, um, just some a couple house parties here and there. And I, I had a pretty nice setup DJ board and and software package that I used to use. I enjoyed it a lot, really. I mean, I thrive with trying to be the person that gets everyone hyped up at a party or likes to make sure everyone's having a good time at the party. And one of the easiest ways to do that is be in control of the music. It's really easy to see people at a party when a song comes on that they know and their, you know, their face lights up, they start bobbing their heads along or maybe even they start singing. So me personally, I, I really like DJing or mixing the music. So I think I would pick it up again. Maybe someday if I ever have a family, I'll be that that nerdy dad that DJs that embarrasses my kids. So yeah, I think I would. What about you? For me, I feel like this is one that I'm probably not going to get into. I really don't have a musical bone in my body and I really can't carry a tune in a bucket when I'm trying to sing. So this is probably one I'm going to pass on. And kind of another thing is I feel like with the equipment and stuff that you need, there's probably a higher barrier to entry, even though I feel like you can still get some cheap stuff, you know, secondhand kind of things if when you're first starting out and then work your way up to professional stuff. But I feel like the initial investment's kind of high for me too. So that's probably another reason why I would steer clear of this one. Uh, I guess we didn't touch on it that much in the in the episode, but... I mean, you can start off as basic as you want and get as fancy as you want, I guess. There's everything starting from $60 from a little a little MIDI controller that might have six buttons on it that basically you can program for what songs you're going to or certain points in a song that you want to go to all the way up to like you're talking fancy turntables that have three, four turntables on them uh, connected to a fancier mix board that you know, does a lot of these extra controls, music equalizers, uh, synchronizers and such that give a lot of these cool extra sound effects that you might hear at a club or even on a production record. Those, some of the top tier ones top out near $5,000. So anywhere in between you can, you can kind of find everything, but like, like Erica was kind of saying in the in the episode DJing also kind of accompanies hand in hand production. And so that's why a lot of these fancier boards get so expensive is it's more than just a fancy iPod. <laughs> you you can hook up multiple speakers to it. You're controlling your lights from it. Uh, m- multiple microphones are connected to it. And basically that DJ is in control of the entire show. So if you have a certain sound coming out of one section of a speaker and you want it to change to something different, you can isolate sounds, uh, lights, effects, anything you want basically within the, the musical realm there. So I guess like if you wanted to just do your daughter's high school prom, you could probably spend $300 on a, a mini on a MIDI board and a couple hundred dollars on some speakers and you'd probably be, you know, that's all you would need. What would you recommend? I guess me, I, I guess I would just get something 
couple hundred dollars maybe you can get something pretty nice for about 200 to 300 dollar range and then get you a nice speaker that you can connect to so that way if you ever have party at the house if you like to host that is then it's an easy way to control the sound system and make it sound a little more professional than just your randomized uh, spotify playlist or uh, pandora playlist i guess but if you don't care then the radio is just as good i guess right is there a reason why you got into it initially? I guess I've always been paranoid about music. Like I said, I, I like to control it just because I think it's an easy way to control mood at a party. And not, maybe control is the wrong word, but you're like, you're trying to make people enjoy their time. And music is a very easy way to do that. Like, say you're at a party and, you know, the conversation's going slow and you just need something to break the ice. Well, if you and the person next to you can't really talk about normal subjects and then a song comes on that you both know and you're both, you know, vibing to, that's something that's just an extra layer that you're able to connect on, I guess. So that's why I, I always liked it. All right. So then as we wrap up, do you want to tell people where they can find us on social media? Yeah, guys, you can follow us over at Claptrap Country on Facebook on that, on that page. Or really on your listening platforms, you can find us as well. We're on Spotify. Uh, we're on Google Podcasts. Uh, we're working on Apple Podcasts. I don't think we're there yet. I think there's a couple others that, that you mentioned too, right, Kyle? Yeah, in total, we can be found on Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify. And then soon, once they approve us, we'll be on Apple Podcasts, CastBox, and Overcast as well. Yeah, so basically, guys, we're, we're just starting out here, so we really appreciate it if you guys uh, give us a like and a follow and continue to listen to our channel. So that's the show, and we'll see you all next time. Later.